everyone, and welcome to Tap the Craft, an informational podcast where we talk about craft beer, and we talk about it in terms just the average beer drinker can understand. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight is my partner in craft and drinking buddy, John Ream. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. You know, I normally come on and talk about how tired I am, mm-hmm. and it's been a long weekend, but... I'm actually feeling somewhat refreshed, which is weird. Wow. I actually think something might be wrong. Okay, did you take, a, take a nap today? <laughs> you know, nap no. or no? Okay, a little, ca- little no. coffee late in the evening? No, no. might just be the beer. Okay, but okay, you're drinking some good beers then. I am, yeah. Okay. You caught me mid-sip there. Ah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm breaking. <laughs> I'm, good times rolling. Yeah, I'm breaking protocol, and you weren't expecting me to be asking you so many questions right at the beginning. Yeah, leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, but you know what? Before we get into too much banter, let me just explain to everyone what Tap to Craft is all about. We, like I mentioned earlier, we are an educational podcast. That's, that's what separates us from all the other beer podcasts out there is that, hey, we're here to teach you guys about craft beer, about all kinds of things in the brewing process and different styles, you know, everything about craft beer. Why? Because John and I, we are craft beer enthusiasts and we love drinking craft beer. Not only drinking it, but we love to talk about it, learn about it, and we love to teach you guys about it. So that's what we do. And as a reminder, because we are enthusiasts and not experts, we will not always be 100% factual. We will at times Maybe make a mistake here and there. And if we do, we want you, the listener, to go ahead and call us on it. Let us know that, hey, we may not have been 100% correct, and we'll uh, go ahead and shout you guys out uh, during the show and, uh, and explain to our listeners what the real answer was because we obviously uh, may have messed up you know, once or twice. It's okay. So, uh, hey, we want to thank you for uh, joining us tonight and uh, talking about craft beer. Uh, also, we just want to make sure everyone knows, hey, we encourage our listeners to, uh, to, to give us feedback, to write into the show, provide us with your experiences, with your knowledge, and ask the questions that you guys uh, want asked. And you know what? That just reminded me that I was supposed to uh, direct message our buddy SpongeBobbies uh, before we start recording tonight, and I forgot. So, SpongeBobbies... I'm sorry that I, I failed once again to notify you that we were recording, so you can send us a question. Um, but you know what? Go ahead and send us a question right now as you're listening, and we'll make sure we'll get it in the next episode. We, John and I, we do this podcast uh, just because of, we love doing it. We, you know, we don't get paid for it. We don't ask anyone to you know, support us, except for... Uh, if you just spread by word of mouth, get people to listen to the show. And one way you can do that is to write a simple iTunes review. Just take a few minutes and just write down a couple things that might help people find our show and get them into craft beer. And uh, you know what? I am going to throw a little contest. It's an open-ended contest. Uh, as soon as we get 20 uh, iTunes reviews, I will give away... Two, uh, it's actually, what it is, is it's like a little uh, gift pack from Deschutes Brewery. I visited Deschutes Brewing uh, a year or two, I guess like three years ago now, and I picked up a bunch of these little gift packs to give to my friends. And I gave most of them away, but I guess there was two left in my inventory that I forgot to give away to my friends. So I was cleaning my office this week, and I found them. I said, you know what, this would be a great gift 
to give out to our listeners who help support the show by writing iTunes reviews. So once we hit 20 iTunes reviews, I will select two of those 20 reviewers to receive a special Deschutes Brewery gift pack. In the gift pack has a little taster glass with their logo on it, two coasters, a sticker, and a, Desch- a special Deschutes bottle opener, all wrapped in a nice little gift bag. So you have, and this goes, this is retroactive, so all the all the people that have already written reviews, guess what? You're already entered into the contest. Uh, so go ahead, write a review. Once we hit 20, I will be giving this away, and uh, you have you know you have one in ten chance of winning a prize. Also, we like to involve our listeners in the show by doing listener participation tasting notes. What that means is John and I will go once a month and we will select a beer and we will notify our listeners what that beer is going to be so that you guys can go out and grab the beer and before the show airs. And then while we're describing how we're tasting you know, the beer, you can taste along with us and you can kind of get an idea of how we describe the beer as what you're tasting. And it might help you, you know, further your palate to, to be able to understand, uh, you know, craft beer tasting a little bit better. So with that being said, for episode 21, and you know what? Episode 21 is a special episode because, hey, that's a legal drinking age in the States. So we have to do something big for, uh, for episode 21, which I need to figure out what that is. But for episode 21... We are gonna do. We're gonna be tasting the old classic craft beer from Red Hook. It's the Red Hook ESB Extra Special Bitter. So uh, go out, do your homework, be a good student. Go grab a six pack of this ESB Red Hook ESB, and uh, and drink along with us for the next episode. That means you too, Denny. Yes, yes. No, no, no. <laughs> the Red Hook is always available in my area, so I will for sure. And if not, then I'll need to make a trip to you, John, because that's where the brewery is at, is right in your area. Hey, extra special, episode 21. Yeah, extra special. You know it. <laughs> you know it. Okay, well, listeners, you are listening to episode 20, the one before 21, and we're recording this episode on Sunday, April 26, 2015. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing adjunct beers and what it means to add additional ingredients into your beer, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's, uh, it's blasphemy or sacrilegious to uh, put other stuff besides the four main ingredients into your beer. Well, you know what? Side table that until after John and I talk about what it is to add extra ingredients to your beer and why it can really be a fun experience. But before we do that, you know what, John? I've been talking a lot and my mouth is dry. So we need to be drinking some craft beer while we do this show. So, John, are you drinking some craft beer tonight? I am. I am drinking a pretty darn good porter from uh, (laughs) Seven Brides Brewing. Uh, it's called Becky's Black Cat Porter, mm-hmm. and I think the official style for it is a, a Baltic mm-hmm. uh, porter. But uh, sings seven percent alcohol, uh, fifty-five IBUs, and dark as night. Yeah, um, but uh, it's it's got some actually quite a bit of roast for a mm-hmm. for a porter. It's almost stout like. Yeah, um, yeah. In that regard, but pretty darn tasty and. 
putting it down a little faster than I should be for the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, and it comes so, in that nice 16-ounce can too, right? Uh, I got a bomber. Oh, it comes in bombers? Yeah. Oh, damn. They've, they've only brought it here in 16-ounce cans. But uh, uh, you know what? I was, When I saw it, you were drinking that. I was really happy because that I you know how I love really roasted malt uh, porters and stouts and that one just is fa- I, I it just tastes great and I love I love that porter so I'm glad to hear that you also enjoy it although again you're saying it that it's probably should be more into the stout range but hey it's yeah stylistically it's it's off but I I still am, I'm enjoying it yeah oh, excellent oh. excellent well I'm envious. Uh, like I mentioned before, we started the show that Seven Brides has stopped distributing in my area. I don't know why. Maybe I was the only one buying their beer, but uh, Seven Brides is out of Silver Silverton, Oregon, I believe, and uh, they make some fantastic beers. I've had probably a dozen of their beers, and every one has been really good. So, hey, if you're out there and you have a chance. Of coming across seven brides, go go out and get it. But, but I, I'm not drinking that. I'm uh, I'm recovering from my bender last night. And what better way of recovering from a night of drinking is to go ahead and you know empty a growler of uh, of a good beer. And I'm drinking ten barrels. That's where we went yesterday. It was ten barrel brewing here in Boise. I'm drinking their Texas Lager, which is like a red or amber uh, lager. And uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's not uh, it's not great. But hey, uh, I've just I'm finishing the last few ounces of the 64 ounce growler fill, and uh, I'm not disappointed. Uh, it's it's got a lot of malt flavor, which I do appreciate. But I'm wondering if the part that I'm uh, I'm having trouble with is is a fact that that maybe it's not carbonated enough as as I you know I don't like things overly carbonated, but it's almost like it's uh, needs a little bit more bubbles. And I think it would you know, elevate the, the level up a little bit more for my taste, but, but maybe good. that's a factor from being in the growler. Yeah. Yeah. Although even the last, uh, this last glass, uh, and I've been drinking it all day. I, I've been nursing it. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to, I want to save some for tonight. So I still have this 16 ounce glass I'm drinking right now. But, uh, even that last, uh, you know, we did our show on, on growlers and how sometimes they can lose their, their carbonation because, the, the carbonation, you know, leaves the beer and goes into that empty space of the growler. Well, I this last glass, right, it's basically 16 ounces is left in there and the rest is is open air. And when I opened it, it poofed. You know, I could hear the escaping CO2. So it still had some CO2 in there. But especially this last glass, it is like almost, it's like flat almost. I mean, it's it, it and that's only one day. You know, it's, it's less than twenty four hours old in the growler, and I drank it within a uh, within an eight hour period. So, oh well, you know, I I need to get one of those new fandangled growlers that are coming out that are you know have CO two pressurized cartridges in them, so that I can keep my beer carbonated all the time. Because I'm a you know I'm a fancy man. Need my fancy stuff. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, new and noteworthy beers, John. You know what? We recorded the last episode, like right after we recorded the previous episode, because I was heading out of the country on a, a business trip. So it has been like almost a month, John, since you and I have talked. So surely you have got to have some new and noteworthy beers to talk about. Yeah, I've got a couple I'll share. 
the first one uh, is another Stone Enjoy By IPA. Uh, this is the 42015, uh, which was labeled as devastatingly dank on the uh, <laughs> bomber. And uh, I tell you what, it delivered on that really? aspect of it. Um, it was really good. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. But for those following along on Untapped, I once again missed the enjoy by date and <laughs> drank, it, drank it four days late. Um, but, you know, it still held up for those extra four days. And I'll, I, I really just need to start drinking these beers right when I buy them because otherwise I put them in the fridge, then forget and then see it. And uh, anyway. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so wait a minute. Before you, so, yeah. Was this recipe different then than from the other enjoy by was it, i mean if it's dank uh, I, I don't i don't i don't usually get that out of the enjoy by so is it a different recipe yeah it was different different hopping at least oh, okay uh, it, this one was completely different than the i think it was the 314 okay okay um, so so i i definitely need to get these every time they come out because i don't want to miss on some special you know changes they make because I assume that everyone's the same because they're, I, I've had three or four of them and I just stopped drinking them because now it's becoming, you know, uh, it's, 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 you know, we get three or four per year and I, and I don't want to, you know, keep drinking the same thing, but if they're, if they're different, maybe I will start back up and, and grabbing these. Yeah. We seem to be getting them monthly now in Washington, at least, mm-hmm. um, and I just now started picking up up again these last two, and it's possible that they did something different just because it was four twenty. Oh, um, you're right, four twenty. But uh, <laughs> so I, I I'll report back if I pick up the next one if it went back to kind of the three fourteen, which I, if memory serves, was a little tropical so with like yeah. pineapple and stuff in it. Yeah, you you mentioned um, that too. Yeah. Okay. So I I, I don't I can't. Sp- say for certain that they do switch it up every time but they definitely did for this one okay but it may have just been a special occasion type thing <laughs> all right well i missed out on that one damn it because it's past 420 and any any uh you know good uh, bottle shop is not going to sell a beer past the date for stone <laughs> yeah <laughs> we also probably don't have a problem with that yeah well. but <laughs> um so another one I'll talk about is another Imperial IPA. Uh, and so I, I've talked about Fremont seems like every episode. Mm-hmm. I have a new noteworthy beer that I've had from them. Um, but since we last uh, recorded, I we actually made a trip up to Fremont, which was surprisingly the first time I've ever been there mm. in person. Um, but they are kid and dog friendly. So I feel like we can have, uh, <laughs> nice. before too long. Wait. They even have toys and stuff for kids okay at the brewery so, so so you brought the kids and the dog we didn't bring the dog oh, this okay. time we just took the kids <laughs> just to see how it went um friends of ours brought their dogs so um we'll see you next time um but the one i wanted to talk about is uh, the bartel drugs spring elixir imperial ipa mm. which was a commemorative beer that fremont did for bartel drugs which is a local like pharmacy chain in the northwest uh, they're celebrating their 125th anniversary. Oh, wow. Um, but the IPA was really solid, um, and it ended up being, I think, what everybody in our group kept going back for um, at the at the pub. So mm-hmm. 
they also had a, a few really nice uh, sours um, and even a, a cucumber one mm. um, that I, I was able to get a taste of. I didn't get one myself, so but it's what I imagine the cucumber crush from Ten Barrel would be. Ah, um, it was really good. So, so Danny, you you went on a trip mm-hmm. and you did a bottle share. So I imagine you have a lot of uh, fun things to talk about. <laughs> I do. I I had I probably had I don't know I think my untapped uh, numbers for unique beers in the last uh, couple of weeks have gone up like thirty probably at least but I'm not going to talk about thirty I'll talk about a few but John you're right uh, I just got back from my second trip this year to Israel uh, I I love going there but I'll tell you what the f- the travel time kills me my body is still recovering from from the the trip there and trip back and and uh, but you know what? Uh, I just enjoy visiting Israel and the people. And this trip was even more special because one of the friends I met last time I was there, the brewer from uh, Hadabim Brewery, uh, Ariel, he, uh, I told him I was coming. He was excited. He asked me to bring some beers from uh, the, the Boise area so for him to try. And he set up a bottle share, international bottle share party uh, with, with eight of his, well, I, with him and seven of his friends, and uh, we got to share the Boise beers with the you know those guys that never had these beers, and I got to try other beers that they brought from their travels around the world, and, and it was really nice. Uh, I got to try some beers, even from the States, that I've never tried. I had my first Almanac beer, uh, which I've been dying to have some Almanac beer uh, but I, I know that the only way I'm going to get it is if I go to California or if I go to the brewery. And I wasn't able to make it to the brewery uh, the last time I was I was there last summer. But uh, but yeah, let me just talk about a couple of these beers. Um, uh, probably my favorite beer that we had that night was uh, the Evil Twin Imperial Biscotti Break Imperial Stout from uh, from the Evil Twin uh, Brewery out of Denmark. I, I know they also have some distribution and I don't know if they also brew in the New York area. Do you know any details on that, John, uh, about the evil twin? I know we get it in Washington. Okay. Yeah. We, I've had, yeah, I've had some evil twin stuff that have, has been imported, but I have never had this beer and I always wanted to try. So when I saw that they had it, I was really excited. And Oh my gosh, this beer lives up to the the hype. It, it is a a fantastic beer. Have you had the uh, biscotti break uh no but I, i've seen it um it's not cheap though <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i haven't picked it up yet but i think now i'll have to once i saw oh yeah um your reaction to it in incredible flavors in this beer R- really really i incredible i and i only had uh i i actually drank a little bit more of this one than the other ones because uh you know it was a bigger bottle so we could have you know between nine people we were able to share a little bit more of it uh, and and that's kind of the one disadvantage of a bottle share. This is actually I've I've gone and and brought beers and we've tasted stuff you know with friends, but never in a in this type of a of a party type thing where you have a bunch of people and you all get a little small sample of the beer they that they brought. Especially if it's in a ten ounce or twelve ounce bottle, you really can't afford to get too much of a taste. So you really, you literally get one or two sips and that's it to to base your opinion on, which is can be a challenge sometimes to really understand if you enjoy a beer or not because depending on the temperature of it and you know how much it it uh 
you know, how much you have it sitting out and it's, it's oxidized, you know, it's, it's kind of breathing and it, it can change the flavors as the beer breathes. And, uh, but this one was one that, that there's no need to, to breathe. It just tasted great from, from the moment it came out and, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, the other one was another uh, foreign beer. It was uh, from Moore's Brewery out of uh, England. And it's actually called More, More Beers. It's called the Old Freddie Walker Old Ale. And, uh, wow, another beer that is kind of reminiscent of a cask-aged ale. You know, so, you know we talked about cask... Uh, that was last episode, right? We talked about cask ale? I can't remember yeah, now. So. Yeah, it was last episode. Uh, it, it it has a lot of the characteristics of a of an English old ale from from a cask, uh, but it's in a you know it's in a bottle and man it was fantastic. Again, a lot of flavors that were coming out in this beer that I didn't expect and I really appreciated that that beer. And of course, I mentioned Almanac's beer. Uh, this was the Farmers Reserve Citrus Sour, and man, uh, really good sour. Almanac is known for their sour beers and. Uh, and this one was fantastic. I, I just want more of their beers. Have you had very many Almanac beers, John? I've had a couple, not this one. And I think I have a cherry sour in the fridge waiting. Oh, okay. I'll be over. Just uh, give me <laughs> give me 10 hours to get to your place. <laughs> we'll, we'll pop Sounds it open and, tri- and we'll drink it. Uh, yeah, uh, really good. I, I Next time we go to California, I am. this is going to be the, the one brewery that I make an effort to to see uh, that one, and I want to go to Anderson Valley uh, also. I didn't make it to Anderson Valley, so those two are the ones I want to do in the north. And then, of course, I want to go south, you know, in the San Diego, L.A. area. So eventually I'll make it down there and, and go to all the good breweries down there too. But And then one uh, other beer I had that wasn't on my trip, it was actually before I left, is I, I, I got a bottle of the Lagunillas Equinox it's a pale Odell, which I don't, I don't know if that's really what it is. That's what they say on the bottle. But, man, an, another beer that just has some really nice uh, flavors and nice mouthfeel. Everything was, was really pleasant with this beer, uh, and, I, and I really enjoyed it. Have, have you had the Equinox from Lagunitas, John? Uh, no, but I just picked up a bunch of Equinox hops that I'm really excited to play with, so I managed to go see if I can find this to get an idea of okay. what I can expect. Yeah, it's it's really good. I really enjoyed it, and it was it was interesting because you know at last episode you mentioned the the check it out oh, as I burped. Excuse me, the check it out segment. You mentioned that you were reading the 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 book by Tony McGee. The so you want to start a brewery, uh, the Lagunilla story, and I picked it up. I, you know after we got off recording, I uh, I went and ordered it on my Kindle, and so I had the book. Uh, with me on my flight, I actually read on the way there. I read seventy eight percent of the book, uh, uh, you know, on the way to to Israel, and it was interesting that they talk about this beer in the book, which was, uh, you know, as a a beer that they brewed, uh, you know, early on in in their their uh, their times at the brewery, and now it's been, it's it's made a re reoccurrence. It's it's come back uh, years later, and now I get to drink it. Uh, you know, right as I was reading the book, so it was kind of uh, interesting. I actually, I actually finished that book, John. Have you finished it yet? Yes. Okay. Okay. I didn't want to show you up that I actually was able to finish it, and you know, in, in you know, like w- almost one sitting versus <laughs> <laughs> you're not not finishing. But I, I really enjoyed the book, and and thank you for recommending it. And I can't recommend it more 
to people who uh, not only enjoy Lagunitas beer and and want to get a, a little bit more understanding of the background of how they struggled uh, for many, many years before they became, you know, they, they became what they are now. Uh, a very good story. Uh, I recommend to everyone. But if even if you're interested in starting a brewery or how to start up a brewery, there's a lot of good information in there on things that you definitely probably don't understand. You know, you don't you don't realize that hey, when you go and brew a beer, you're gonna pay for those ingredients two months before you even you know have a beer that you sell and and be able to pay the bill. So there's a lot of uh, a financing juggling you have to do, and of course. You know, the, the biggest thing is you always want to keep growing so you get to more people and you make more uh, profit. But that also, you know, takes a lot out of your, your finances. And uh, So, yeah, I really – I even appreciate Lagunitas even more, even though a lot of those stories I'd already heard from Tony McGee himself when he was uh, interviewed on other podcasts and, of course, from my visit to the brewery last summer. So it's, it was nice to read just to get his perspective from his, his point of view. All right, I didn't mean to drag on uh, too much there, but uh, let's go into... Uh, normally at this point of the show, we'll go ahead and cover any listener-provided questions, and I don't think we had any questions this time because, of course, I forgot to, to message uh, our, you know, Robert uh, to, to give us his message. But we did have a, a, a tweet that was sent to us uh, right after... Actually, right before I was leaving for my trip, and it was not a question, but it's actually just uh, uh, information on a new gadget uh, technology thing for beer. And this is coming from our buddy Jason Lacey from the Flexipose podcast. Uh, You can find him at JW Lacey on Twitter. And he sent us a link to some new beer tech called Physics, with with basically Fizz, F-I-Z-Z, and uh, ICS. And it's basically a play off of fizz, like beer fizz, and physics. And it's actually, the, the, they're saying physics applies the hard science and technology to provide a sensory fusion to a properly poured beer. Now, this piece of technology is a machine where you put in a 12-ounce bottle or a can, uh, and you, it, it basically has a... a like uh, it runs off of batteries and it has a, a pump in there and it uses some magic. They haven't really, exp- you know, they haven't explained exactly the magic, but as you pull the handle and the beer comes out through the spout, it's doing some kind of, of, uh, I don't know, some kind of, uh, uh, pouring thing that, that actually encourages a better foam, uh, head, uh, on your beer. I mean, that's in general terms. Uh, they say they use a lot of physics, a lot of science. They don't talk about the science that they're actually using, but it says, hey, this is all about science. You know what? From a guy that works in science, I want to know more about the, the actual science portion of it. But uh, but they haven't given up their secrets yet. But they say uh, there's one thing that's interesting on this. I'll have a link to the, the page uh, in the show notes. But one thing that's interesting is they kind of explain that there's different phases of uh, fizz. Of a, of a head creation on your beer. And John and I have talked about how important a good head on a beer is, you know, all the things that it, it, it uh, enhances 
you know, with your beer tasting experience. So they said the first phase is called nucleation. That's basically where the bubble starts to form. The second phase is the beating. Now the bubbles that are forming, they rise to the top of the of the beer and they begin to form the head. And then there's the disproportionation. Is that right? Disproportionation. And that's Dang. where <laughs> and that's where the bubbles mature and it, it gives you uh you know a really nice uh dense uh head. And that's the one thing I noticed on this. Uh they do have a video that uh, kind of shows the the pouring and it looks very impressive. Uh, but one thing that they show in the pictures is that a normally poured head, uh, if you even have a head at all, right? Because some beers will pour and you just won't get a good head. Uh, it's going to be usually bigger bubbles that, you know, that are, you know, they're just bigger bubbles. And this, the heads that pour from their little contraption is actually like really small, dense uh, head that is like more of a creamy uh, head looking. Like, you know, almost like something you might get from a nitrogen charged uh, beer um in fact you know i'm looking at uh like some of their darker beers and it actually looks like the head you know exactly off of a nitrogen charged uh, beer so uh, john what do you think about this is uh i my, you know I, we already talked about you know my concern is they don't talk about price it's not released yet it'll be releasing in uh at the time of recording in six days they will uh they'll have the official invitation to uh to buy this product. I'm actually on the email, so I'm looking forward to getting an email from them to find out more information. But uh, price, right? Uh, a lot of times, if, it's a, if the price is not, uh, I mean, for this does, right? It generates a head. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I, I like a good head on my beer, but I don't know if I want to pay 100 bucks to have a good head on my beer. So what, what do you think, John? you think this is something that's going uh, to be... Um, you know, something that's going to catch on, or you think this might have some trouble? Um, yeah, I, like you, I'm, I'm curious to know more about uh, the goings-ons behind the scenes, and, you know, that's that's going into this. Um, I mean, it says they are using, like, sound waves and stuff to <laughs> diffuse the gas and, and all this. And I, from a science standpoint, I'm really curious about it. Um, yeah. But... You know, I, yeah, it, it, the cost would be a big thing for me. I, you know, I, it, how, how much, uh, how much benefit am I really getting versus me pouring my beer into the glass? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you pour enough beers, you tend to get, I don't know, pretty decent at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it could be interesting. I, if, if it's priced right, I could definitely see this as one of those things that, it's one of those gifts that you get that person that likes beer, but you don't really know what to do for them. Yeah. You know, yeah, it could be kind of a cool or something to show off at the barbecue since it is powered by batteries. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They say it's, it's powered by four standard AA batteries. It says it's lightweight. It's under four pounds, durable enough to take outdoor on camping or sailing trips. Wow. They're, they are definitely aiming for the, the high end people that are actually go sailing that, uh, I don't know. I don't go sailing very often, but uh, hey, if you go sailing and want to have a good-headed beer, <laughs> that's great. But you're right. I, I think uh, I think anything over fifty dollars is not going to sell. I think thirty dollars would be. I mean, for thirty bucks, I I'd be apt to pick it up just just to try it out and see what it does. But uh, I think I think if it's priced too too heavy, that it's going to 
you know scare a lot of people away. But again, like you said, for the for the gift that for the person, the beer lover that has everything, hey, this might be something that uh, that they enjoy. So, but yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely an uh, interesting yeah, and it's hard for me to to see there's too much technology in here because it looks like it's a fairly small thing, right? So it's running off of batteries. It's basically got a hose that goes into the, into the beer, uh, and you seal it. And I think it, you know, does some kind of a sucking sensation. Maybe the, the sound is coming from where the, as the beer moves through the, the machine, it, uh, you know, it, it creates some kind of a, vibrations that that help it i don't know it seems kind of weird but the other thing too is is this thing's got to be maintained cleanliness right you don't want to have this thing getting all gummed up and you know so i know that when i drink beer i like to pour the beer and toss the bottle or whatever i don't want to have to pour my beer because because not only am i pouring my beer i'm usually taking a picture of it and i'm you know i'm getting ready for untapping it and and now i got to add in the uh, you know, go ahead and put it in the machine, get the head all built up, and now I got to clean the machine because I don't want it to, you know, go bad. That I don't know. That that seems like it might be a pain too. Yeah, that's one thing I I meant to mention the with the hose. Yeah. I mean, as a guy who makes beer and deals with a lot of hoses, <laughs> they suck to get get clean and keep clean. Yeah. And I, I worry that if you, you know, you're drinking and then you forget when you come back the next morning. Ooh, that thing could be real nasty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, hopefully, they've got a good solution for it. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'd we'll love to see what, what they come come out with when they get more more details out there for folks. Yeah, in six days. So for episode twenty one, I'll go ahead and I'll I'll find out the any any new information. I'll let you guys know because I'm curious about it. I know you guys are probably curious about it. I want to thank Jason for uh, sending this uh, link to us because I didn't see this before you sent it. So this is new to me and new to John. And again, without our listeners' participation, we wouldn't have been able to, to kind of put this on our radar and, and watch it because it wasn't in my uh, normal uh, news feed stuff. So that that's great. All right. Well, hey, John, uh, it's time for the Brew Buzz, the Brew Buzz segment, which is devoted to discussing all kinds of various beer-related topics. And this week, we're talking about adjunct beers. And, John, what the heck is an adjunct beer? It depends. And that's one of these things that, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, they're all going to have a, a different answer. Um, I think I've mentioned it before on the show, but there, there's a, a German purity law, mm-hmm. the the Reinheitsgebot. <laughs> and Wow, that was good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so, but uh, the basically this law says that uh, you know anything that uh, that would go into a beer, uh, if it's not water, hops, malted barley, or yeast, you can't use it. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, I believe in modern times this is not a, a true law anymore. Um, it's more a traditional thing, and yeah. there are some breweries that still, uh, you know, adhere by it. Um, but you know, according to, to Germans, you know, anything outside of those basic four ingredients um, is, is an adjunct. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you talk to a lot of you know U.S. craft brewers, uh, if you ask them about an adjunct, they'll immediately say corn and rice because mm-hmm. that's the things that the the big brewers, you know, AB and Miller and and Coors use in their beers. Yeah, um, and so it's it's kind of something that they can that these craft brewers can say, well, we don't use that, so it's a higher quality or yeah. you know, whatever they however they want to spin that. Okay. Um, so, so so what? Why would the the big brewers, the big domestic brewers like Budweiser, Coors, you know, M- Miller, and all that? Why why would they use adjuncts instead of uh, other materials for their normal everyday beer? Is it, what what's the main driving force behind that? Uh, drinkability is part of it, um, and I, I get it a little more into like the particulars that these provide, but. Uh, okay. In terms of an easy drinking beer, uh, corn and rice can really help. Um, from a brewing standpoint, uh, rice converts very efficiently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get uh, a little more bang for your buck in terms of the sugars you get out of it, I think. Okay. Um, but that's not to say that these are always cheaper than barley. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's not necessarily the case, but... Um, you know, maybe they're maybe using that rice. It can be a little more predictable just because you can convert it so efficiently. Well, and and um, is it? I mean, is there more rice? Is it easier to get rice than malted barley? I, I mean, is it something that's? I mean, there's lots of rice. I mean, besides importing from from China, but there's a lot of rice fields in California, for example. Right, it's a huge rice uh, farming thing there. So, is it something that they know they can always get a lot of? In, in you know all the time without any kind of issues too, or is it just strictly because they want uh, the ease of the brewing? You know that's a good question, and I don't know uh, it, how you know resistant rice is to uh, drought or anything like mm-hmm. that. And I know that barley's been hit a couple times with mm-hmm. bad crop years, um, but you know from my perspective as a home brewer, all, everything is available all the time. Yeah, cause yeah, <laughs> a, you know a few pounds. Uh, but you know the scale that they're brewing at. I mean, they need just enormous amounts of mater- raw material. Okay. Um, so that that could play a factor as well. And you know, I, I've never really looked into it from that aspect. Okay. So. All right. So, what kind of uh, adjuncts? You know, you, are, are are there different categories of adjuncts that we uh, that we can talk about? Yeah. So I think for for the purpose of this talk, we'll kind of say we're going to be Germans tonight. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll say anything outside of malted barley, basically, is, mm-hmm. is going to be an adjunct. Anything that's adding sugar to the beer. Um, and then we can further take that and break it down into kind of two two camps. Uh, mashable adjuncts and then kettle adjuncts. Okay. Um, so a mashable adjunct will be, you know, pretty much any other kind of grain. Um that you is added during the mash that's going to convert from its starches into sugars, um, like we talked about uh, previously. Um, and then a, a kettle adjunct uh, is anything that's added during the boil or even during fermentation. Um, and you know that's going to be more your simple sugars mm-hmm. uh, or syrups and that kind of thing. Okay. How, how about uh, I, I? I don't want to get too far off topic, but how about like when you add. Uh, coffee to you, you know, you want to make a coffee stout, and you're not just using the the barley that creates the coffee, but you're actually wanting to add 
uh, coffee, like, you know, real coffee to the fermentation, I, I mean, assuming fermentation stage to give you that coffee flavor, that would also be an adjunct, right? I think technically, yes, uh, it would be. Um, and, you know, in a similar note, uh, fruit is an adjunct. And, oh, yeah. You know, vanilla, any chocolate, you know, all okay, that stuff. Yeah, nibs. Well. Yeah, chocolate nibs. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, uh, so, so so I'm glad you brought this up because I, I intentionally left it out and then I didn't <laughs> make a note about why I did that. Um, so I kind of decided to kind of set those aside as almost like a, a flavoring mm-hmm. um, adjunct because that's more, they are specifically there to give flavor. Okay. Um, you will get some sugars and things like that from the fruit. Um, but, you know, coffee is not going to give you any of that kind of character. No. Um, and same with vanilla and, and chocolate. You're not really going to get anything. Um, so maybe, another, I mean, although those are a little more self-explanatory, but we could talk about those another another time. Okay. Um, but, yeah, good good point. <laughs> uh, so if we want to just look at our mashable adjuncts uh, to start. So we talked about corn and rice, uh, the, what the big brewers use. Um, and corn... Well, it gives you a corn character to the beer. I mean, you, you can taste it in, in some beers. Um, and it's also going to, you know, lighten the body of the beer. Um, this is kind of what I was talking about with the drinkability. Um, you know, makes it go down easier. You want to drink eight more um, because <laughs> you're not really getting anything, you know, <laughs> or it's just a hot day, I guess. Um, but corn would be used, you know, to replace barley um, to give it the light that lighter character. Um it's generally not used, you know, in, in addition to uh, barley. Um, but again, it's, it's going to be used, found in those uh, American lagers. Uh, even some pilsners will use it. And then another uh, style that, that it's traditionally used in is a cream ale. Mm. Uh, we'll have uh, corn as part of its, um, you know, mat, uh, grain bill okay. that goes into it. So, you know, just because something has corn in it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, a, a lesser thing you know there are plenty of craft brewers that make cream ales or the or the like you know pilsners and things that they may add add corn to it as well because it it at some point it it's been part of the history okay you know um and then rice uh it also makes the beer lighter um but as opposed to corn uh rice does it without adding flavor so rice is a very much a flavorless um, addition mm-hmm. uh, to the beer, and it's also used in place of the barley. Um, so this one's going to lighten up, you know, the body of the beer, lighten up the flavor of the beer, um, and uh, it. The main places it's used is American lagers, and it's not really used outside of that, um, just because it lightens the beer so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Budweiser. They use rice. I think it's even on the can. <laughs> they, they use rice. So, um, you know, if you want to experience it, go pick up the king, the king of beers. <laughs> the king of beers. The rice king of beers. All right. That's right. <laughs> um, so I'll talk about a couple other grains. Um, and these you'll find much more commonly uh, in craft beers. Uh, the first one will be oats. Mm-hmm. And oats will give you... Uh, more smoothness uh, and like fuller mouthfeel, really creamy uh, type of character. Um, 
I think at a very high level, you can start to get kind of a, an oatmeal kind of character from it. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, they don't add a lot uh, in terms of flavor. Um, I think most breweries use them just enough to get the benefit from the the smoothness and creaminess yeah, yeah. and then kind of stop there. Um, but these aren't really used in place of, of uh, barley. They're you in, know, addition in, to, in addition to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, stouts are very common. Oatmeal stout mm-hmm. is its own style. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, like you even mentioned earlier, they're uh, oat pale ales mm-hmm. um, that have been coming on the market recently. Um, I've had had quite a few. Uh, personally, I don't think the oat adds a whole lot to the style, um, but uh, still they've been some pretty decent beers. Yeah, yeah, and, I... I, I tend to see the oat. I love things with oats in because, like you mentioned, that I believe that the oats add a, be, a, a fuller mouthfeel and gives you that little extra, you know, addition. And uh, and I find that I don't mind uh, beers with oats in it. I think it's kind of uh, it's kind of cool. And I, I do enjoy a good oatmeal stout. A lot of people like the oatmeal stout because it, it almost – the oats can sometimes even uh, make the, the malts kind of mellow out a little bit with the, the smoothness of the, the oats – and make it so it's not so harsh. And I think, like my son, he loves oatmeal stouts, and he's but he's not that big of a fan of traditional American stouts with the the little bit more bitter uh, finish with the extra roasted you know malt in there. It's a little bit too much for him sometimes. So, so yeah, oats are good. Yeah, I think that creaminess in the mouthfeel can really help tame uh, some of the more harsh roast characters. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Now, now rye is the next one that you have on a list, and man, I love rye in my beer because of that uh, little extra spicy bite that it adds to it. Yeah, so rye uh, is known for for that spice and that kind of kick that you can get from mm-hmm. it uh, and the flavor. Um, it also give your beer a more orange color, which mm. is not something that you see that often. Um, usually beers tend to stay along a spectrum of yellow and gold, mm-hmm. um, you know, until they hit brown. But uh, yeah, uh, these ones can end up really orange depending on how much you use. Um, and rye is another one that would be in addition to uh, the barley in, in some styles. Um, but then you have a style like Rogan beer, which is a traditional German style that is, I think, up fifty percent or greater oh, wow. uh, percentage of rye. Um, unfortunately, a traditional German uh, Rogan beer very difficult to find in the U.S. Uh, they're just not really imported anymore. Um, but there are uh, some craft brewers that are brewing them. Uh, we've mentioned Rubens Brews yeah. on the podcast before up here in Seattle. Uh, they do a ton of rye beers, and they have a really good uh, Roggen beer. Um, so if you're ever uh, up here in this area, definitely check them out if you want some rye. Um, and then you know, rye IPAs are probably the most common place that you'll find rye uh, these days. Um, just a really popular uh, addition to an IPA to kind of feature with the hops that can, you know, really pair well with some of the the character you can get out of the hops mm-hmm. that spice does. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's a bunch of other grains that are used in beer, um, but they're generally used for gluten-free beers. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, including like millet and buckwheat and even quinoa. I've seen people brewing with quinoa, wow. which uh, is really interesting to me. Um, 
but these are generally used on their own. Uh, they're not really used for a standard beer, mm-hmm. just solely for gluten-free. So uh, I think we'll save those and maybe do a, a gluten-free talk yeah. at some point. Yeah, let's do that um, for sure, for sure. So yeah, it, d- it doesn't really add here because they're kind of their own category. Yeah. Um, so now that we've covered all these mashables, which they, they require time, they need... They're bringing starch to the table. It needs to be converted to sugar so the yeast can have their fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll move to the kettle adjuncts. So now we're boiling our beer, or our wort, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Brewer's faux pas. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you sound like me now. <laughs> uh, oh, not even. That hurt more. No. <laughs> um, so you know, we're looking at pretty much sugars that are, you know, going straight into the beer. Um and, you know, to start off with just table sugar, um, hmm. traditionally, you know, beet sugar um, would, would be this uh, in this category. Uh, and, you know, table sugar lightens the body of a beer uh, while boosting the alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the, the main uh, push for it. And a lot of double IPAs uh, these days use beet or table sugar. Really? Um, in place of some of the malt to uh, kind of dry out the beer a little bit. Um, and keep it from becoming uh, too cloying with all the malt that's needed to stand up to all the hops. Yeah. Um, and that's a really big thing on the West Coast um, where dry IPA is more standard. Um, traditionally, a Midwest or East Coast uh, still features mostly malt. and uh, But I think those are they're kind of coming together now a little more than in the past. Um but another uh, sugar addition, we brown sugar, yeah, <laughs> um, which uh, gives a caramel, butterscotch, molasses type character. And uh, if you want to see what this is like, uh, just pick up one of Denny's favorites, the Lagunitas brown sugar. Brown sugar, um, oh yeah, yeah. Every winter, uh, go go pick some up to experience some great brown use of brown sugar in the beer and if you want to hear the story behind it you can go pick up the book yes yeah i was just gonna say that that i this is one of the stories i didn't i didn't know how the brown sugar came about and it was all on a brewing uh mistake uh when they wrote the recipe they he he made a mistake in what what was it the uh the amount of of of, uh hops right he 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 like doubled up on some hops or something or what was the yeah, they basically didn't have enough uh, sugar to to balance out the beer yeah. or hit their the numbers that they needed to. So and and so the the owner told his brewer when the brewer found out that hey something's not right here. He said go buy go to every store in the area and buy every every box of brown sugar you can buy and put it in the beer. And he said that uh, what's interesting is he put it in there and it it, it, it took. How many weeks before it actually was? I don't remember the exact count on the weeks, but he said it was crap. They tasted it and it was like crap, 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 and they thought they were going to have to just dump it. And finally, at the end of what, whatever the fifth week or whatever it was, boom! It it was good. They're used to you know eating it, and and now the beer became what was known as the brown sugar. Uh, and another great story from from Tony. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so mentioned that brown sugar can give a molasses character, and another thing that can give a molasses character <laughs> is molasses. <laughs> Imagine um, that. Uh, the difference with brown sugar and molasses, though, is um, molasses 
gives a character that is very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a brewer used too much molasses, you're going to know right away because mm-hmm. um, it can be very dominating um, in, in a beer. Uh, but in, in addition to you know molasses flavor, um, it can also contribute licorice character, um, which I personally am not an enormous fan of in my <laughs> beer. But I know others on this podcast say otherwise. Yeah, but, uh, no, I like a little licorice <laughs> in my beers. That's why I love the. So you're gonna just be disappointed in the abyss because the abyss has a little licorice in there. That's right. It has a lot of other <laughs> stuff going on too. I'll focus on that. That's true. <laughs> um, so another one uh, that's uh, very common, I think, uh, these days is is honey. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you would think would give a honey character, you know, similar to all these other things we talked about, but it doesn't. Um, when honey's added, uh, most of the honey ferments out mm-hmm. and it leaves very much of like kind of the, the sugar chains that make honey, you know, honey, basically mm-hmm. what we perceive as honey gets eaten up by the yeast. Um, and so, uh, in, in lighter beers, uh, you might actually pick up some of the full notes from the honey, you know, do it from the pollen and nectar. That was collected by the bees. Uh, I can't say I've ever actually experienced that, um, but I've I've heard of that over and over again. So I'm going to put it out there just in case anybody uh, actually does experience that. Um, if you do get a, an actual honey character in your beer, it's possible that all the yeast was killed by the brewer and then they back sweeten oh, the beer with honey. Yeah. Um, there's also a honey malt uh, oh. that's kilned in a way that tends to give a, a kind of a honey character in a beer. Okay. Um, so one of those two ways was likely what happened if, if you actually do get a, a honey character okay. in your beer. Yeah, because I, I've had some uh, some special golden ales that have had, you know, honey golden ales that actually have a, a flavor of honey. You know, not not heavy honey, but, you know, that 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 characteristic of the, of the honey. And so now I, you know, it makes sense that if the if the yeast, yeah, if if they if they stop the yeast eating and put the honey in, so it gives you that that flavor, you'll you'll have that extra flavor. But yeah, it makes sense that that the yeast is going to eat the sugars, and what's going to be left over is again whatever floral uh, characteristics from the actual you know pollen that will be left in there. And that's interesting. I have to really. Uh, pay attention to that next time I have a beer that actually says it uses you know honey and doesn't actually have a honey flavor. Yeah, and I, I imagine it also depends on the quality of the honey that's used. Because mm-hmm. um, if you get just a you know standard wildflower or something like that, that it's so muddled, you probably wouldn't even pick up anything specific. You'd probably need a some kind of honey that was you know that they collected from bees that only took you know one particular flower, yeah, or like clover, blossom clo- of some yeah, kind, yeah. So, um, and the the last, uh, one I'll talk about the most important uh, (laughs) is, uh, Belgian candy syrups. Yes. And, uh, these syrups, uh, they range from light to dark in, in, in color. And that's actually how they're, they're sold. Uh, and they would be described uh, on a, a beer website or bottle if you're looking for information on it. Um, and they're actually just created from the beet sugar. So the you know the table sugar we talked about, uh, they take that and they transform it into something that actually does give a bunch of character uh, to the beer. And you know that that color range from light to dark, it just depends on 
the amount of caramelization that's done. So how, how much do they basically boil it down uh, or cook it down? Um, and because of that range, you know, you can get everything from like a bread character to caramel, uh, toffee, uh, dark fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's kind of an order from, from light to dark um, in terms of what the, the syrup will, will provide. And uh, just right from the name, the Belgian candy syrup, uh, you're going to find this used extensively in Belgian doubles and triples and quads. Nice. And uh, it, it's really amazing uh, you can all all these syrups are created from the exact same thing to start, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they can get just a huge range of of flavors from it. Excellent, yeah. I, uh, you know, as, as you you and I both really appreciate Belgian Belgian ales, and uh, yeah, without that those uh, candied syrups, you just wouldn't have the 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 flavors that we we appreciate in there. So. Yeah, excellent. But on on a side note, have you had a have you had a chance to uh try the loose cannon recently? Is it is it getting better with age? You know, I almost popped one open this weekend <laughs> um in preparation for this and then I my time got away from me and it didn't. But okay. I I will report back on our special episode twenty one. Twenty one give you an, an update. Y- you know what? You you should be drinking candy. it. No, that will be your beer of the night. You'll be drinking that on twenty one, just so that we can celebrate in style. The loose All right. cannon. <laughs> well, excellent, John. Uh, fantastic job on summarizing adjuncts, especially in the the mashable and the kettle adjuncts. And I think it's a great idea that we covered the uh, the other like the gluten free adjuncts uh, as well as uh, you know on, on a separate uh, episode as well as the the flavoring adjuncts because you know what they are distinctly different the flavoring ones are strictly going to add flavor to the to the beer versus actually being used to uh, you know in the brewing process as 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 an important aspect of the of the brew so. Uh, so great. Well, that was our brew buzz segment. I hope that uh, we were able to provide you with some, uh, you know, level of understanding and appreciation for the additional ingredients that you can throw into beer. I always learn something when John, uh, you know, researches and, and 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 informs me on all this uh, this brewing stuff. So it's great. I uh, I want to find out which beers that I drink use corn. I, I never thought about corn uh, in the beer. Uh, I know about the rice, the, the oats, and the rye, but the corn was, uh, was kind of a surprise to me, so that was, that was new. Uh, everything else yeah, I kind of knew. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a huge percentage because um, it's still generally kind of poo-pooed in, mm-hmm. the, in the craft beer world, I guess. Yeah. You know, cause it's yeah. just one of those easy differentiators yeah so. yeah now one other question that that i i had when you were talking about the especially the the mashable adjuncts is at, using these other ones corn and rice especially th- does it take is it do you know if it takes longer in the brewing process when you use these or is it shorter or is it the same time as far as the amount of time you have to have these uh these uh ingredients to be able to produce a starch do you know offhand uh i believe that 
both corn and rice need to be processed before the mash. Uh, sometimes it, some of that it sometimes is boiling. Like they'll actually boil the grain to open mm-hmm. it up so that you can actually get the starch out of it. Okay. Um, I personally haven't used either of them, so I, I'm not uh, fully versed on the subject. But a lot of times those, um, yeah, the corn and rice and those type of things do need uh, extra work. Okay. Um, the oats and the rye, um, rye doesn't at all. Um, the oats uh, do need to be in a certain form, but you can generally buy them um, in that form. Okay. So it's not a problem. Okay. And and the rye, uh, it's it's a small, very small amount to give you a big flavor, right? You don't need to have a lot of rye. You just a little bit will do it, right? Yeah, usually. Okay. All right. You, next time I come, I want to do a rye beer with you. All right. Good. <laughs> you, you have it can experience that, right? To, uh, it can be tough to brew with as it gets a little gummy, but okay. uh, we'll figure it out for you. Okay, excellent. All right, well, it's uh, it's towards the end of the show, but before uh, we end the show, we always like to just recognize uh, some some special people, uh, listeners or or friends and family, whatever. So, John. Uh, do you ha- you want to toast anyone? Raise your glass to anyone special uh, this episode? Uh, I want to you know, toast uh, Jason for giving us the uh, the link and the info for the physics. Exactly. Um, yeah. Definitely looking forward to more info on that. Um, and I also want to raise my glass to my wife, who got me some new brewing gadgets here uh, uh, for my birthday recently. So I'm yes. looking forward to doing some experimentation with some in some small batches so nice nice yeah that that'll be that'll be fun now when you do the experimentation on these small batches are you going to use your your big your big uh brew station or are you going to go back to the old school uh you know on the on the stovetop i'll probably brew a, a big batch then split it so that everything's the same oh um, yeah going good thinking. Into it. good thinking that makes so. sense that makes sense okay all right. Well, hey, you know what, John? I I want to raise my glass to you and your birthday you had a few days ago. Uh, happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Yes, yes. I'm sorry that I missed uh, celebrating it on the day because I am I have a crappy iPhone that didn't remind me it was your birthday. Stupid, stupid <laughs> iOS. But, uh, yeah, happy birthday. Uh, I also want to uh, raise my glass to my buddy Ariel in uh, Israel for not only hosting uh, me there uh, while I was, uh, you know, in Israel and having that tasting party, but he also invited me to, uh, I I happened to get there at the end of Passover. Uh, I thought that I planned my trip so that when I got there, Passover was over, but nope, I was there for two days of Passover, which is uh, very tough on a, on a, uh, a non-Jew that is not used to, uh, you know, having to not be able to drink beer and not be able to eat, uh, you know, anything with yeast in it. Uh, it was a challenge. But you know what? Uh, he invited me to an after-Passover party where everyone, once the sun goes down, it's time to party. So they went a week without drinking beer. Now it's time to drink beer. And we went to a party before we went to the tasting. And I got to meet some of his friends and, and it participate in the, I can't remember the name of the actual party. It's it's a Moroccan uh, celebration for a lot of Moroccan people. But uh, it was fun. I got to taste some home brews from his his friend. Uh, and we just got to you know visit with, with people. I love meeting new people. And uh, this, oppor- this 
this was an opportunity to meet a lot of people outside of my normal uh, work buddies that I hang out with. So uh, I, I just want to raise my glass. And also, we meet we met again later in the week, and he brought me uh, two beers I brought back. And oh, you know what? Uh, I haven't talked about my experience with traveling with beer. Um, so, but let me just finish my toast to Aria real quick. He he gave me a black IPA that I brought back with me, and also a ice beer, a fifteen percent ice IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, John, uh, we need to get together so we can drink that. Uh, I don't want to drink it alone, so you need to make. We need to make that happen. But uh, I brought both those beers back with me. Uh, and also, he, he, he let me in on a very special beer that I won't talk about now because it's not released yet, and I don't want to get him in trouble. But when he does uh, you know, release it, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about this special beer that he let me try, which was also very nice. But, but back to my, uh, uh, my, my experience with traveling with, my, with beer, international travel. So... When I went there, I brought eight beers, and I brought eight canned beers because I wanted to. I wanted to make it as easy as possible. I don't want to worry about glass breaking. I don't want to do bubble wrap. What I did is I put. I I got gallon Ziploc bags. I double wrapped them, four cans in each pouch. Uh, I put uh, duct tape around them to hold them in place so they weren't moving around a lot, and I packed them within my clothes, and they made it to Israel safely and uh, no problems. On the way back. I also used one of the the tips that we gave you last episode uh, on traveling with beer, where uh, where I put the the each bottle in uh, one of the gallon bags that I had brought, and then I put a sock on top of it, and then I stuffed it in my shoes, and they and both beers made it back to the states in one piece, no broken bottles, and I got lucky. Neither. On my way there or my way back, did TSA get into my luggage? And I think that helped uh, deliver my beer safely. So just wanted to give everyone a heads up that, hey, I've traveled internationally across the world with uh, beer to and from and uh, glass and cans and no problems. I just want to thank Open Forum Radio. Raise my glass to them because they are the ones that allow us to be hosted on their website. Uh, without Open Forum Radio, uh, John and I would have to pull out some more cash out of our wallets to be able to get this thing uh, hosted and everything. And I like to save money because that means more beer. So thank you, Open Forum Radio. Go visit openforumradio.com for a whole bunch of good podcasts. And also, as I've mentioned many times before in every episode, I don't fail to mention that I was in the U.S. Navy. And I always want to raise my glass to all the servicemen and women out there serving, protecting our freedoms, allowing us to drink beer and talk about beer with our freedoms. Thank you for all your sacrifices. And please come home safely very, very soon. All right. And just a reminder... Uh, next episode, episode 21, we are going to be doing the listener participation beer tasting notes with the Red Hook ESB. This beer can be found across the nation, so I you have no excuse. Go out to your bottle shop right now while you're thinking about it and go buy at least one bottle, if not six bottles of ESB, Red Hook ESB, extra special bitter for next episode. 
And, hey, if you would like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com. Very easy to remember, tapthecraft at gmail.com. Or, if you don't want to write emails to us, you can follow us on Twitter. It's easy, at tapthecraft, just one word. And you can also leave comments on the show post, which is posted on openforumradio.com. And I also post a show on Google+. Plus. Just search for Tap the Craft. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw, and on Google+, Plus at Denny Loose. And John, if the listeners want to follow you, how can they do that? On Twitter, at Prime Brewing. On Untapped, at Prime WA. And I write about uh, homebrewing at homebrewengineer.com. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, it's last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank all of you for downloading and listening to the show. We hope you were able to find something useful, and we welcome you to subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And as a reminder, we release a new episode every two weeks. And that's it for this show. Now remember, friends don't let friends drink light yellow fizzy beer. Quality craft beer can be enjoyed. So spread the word and convert the beer ignorant. Hey, it's Shaver from Open Forum Radio here. want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Just Press Start, Platform Junkies, and Jobbers on the Mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com. Links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and... Uh, Take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. Alright folks, take it easy. Have a good day.